Please join me in prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. A little over three years ago, I had uh, the, really the gift and privilege of traveling to England to be with a, a Church of England parish and learn some things from them. And of course, we were there about nine, ten days, and uh, one of our days was a free day. And we were in the city of Bristol, which is, if you know the map of England, right across the river from Wales, so it's pretty far west. And close by is this town, it's a town, small city, called Bath. And maybe you've heard of Bath, it's famous for the Roman baths that are there, and uh, my wife is a big Jane Austen fan, and Bath, you know, is big in those books. If you like her, Bath is big there. I got to go there. And um, I remember when we, we got off the train, we got on a train early in the morning in Bristol and took about a 20-minute train ride over to Bath. We got out, walked out of the station, and began to, to walk into town and kind of walk this way from the station, then turn the corner on this sort of main thoroughfare. It was a big uh, pedestrian area, you know, where they blocked, they took the streets, you can't drive on them anymore. And right there, kind of, kind of, it feels like the way that cross looks back there on the back wall of the sanctuary. I saw what's called Bath Abbey, and it's a, it's an ancient church building. Um, and originally, it was for a monastery. It's called, that's why it's called an abbey. There was a whole community around that. But over time, the monastery went away. But it's still a parish church in the Church of England. Beautiful church building, great church. We got to go in there and tour around and. One of the things I loved about it was there was one of the pastoral staff, uh, maybe the vicar or someone else was, was there with what's called his black cassock and just answering people's questions and frankly just sharing the gospel with people and inviting people to consider Jesus Christ. It was this really cool evangelistic center. And I think the people who built it wanted it to be that and it still was. It was really cool. But what I remember is I was struck by the facade of the temple because up and down the kind of the central portion were two ladders. Anyone ever seen a picture of Bath Abbey? Anyone? No? You should look it up. It's really cool. I thought about printing out a copy for you, but that's a lot of colored ink. But there are two ladders, and at first it looks kind of odd. Why would you have ladders, and they're, they're flat, and you know, the building kind of look like railroad tracks stuck up on the side of the building? Kind of odd looking. And then you notice there are people on the ladders. And they keep walking down the street, and then you realize some are walking up, some are crawling down, like face down, and they get a little bit closer, and they all have wings on them. Then it struck me, what's going on? This is an an allusion with an A, an allusion with an A, to two stories in the Bible. One is a story in Genesis, which we didn't read tonight, of Jacob when he wrestled with God. And when God showed up, he gave Jacob a vision of a ladder between heaven and earth. And going up it and going down it were angels. It was like this, this content point before the earthly, between the earthly realm and the heavenly realm. And the angels were going back and forth. And then Jacob says, surely this is Bethel, the house of God, the very temple of God. It just sort of moves on with Genesis The story shows up again in today's gospel reading. Jesus is conversing with different new disciples. And of course, he has this conversation with Nathaniel. 
And he tells Nathanael he sees him under this tree. And Nathanael is completely blown away. And just from that experience says, that's it, you're the Messiah, I'm in. And then Jesus, I, I think Jesus snickered, probably went, <laughs> oh, Nathaniel, if only you knew what you were going to see. And then he says, behold, I tell you, you will see the Son of Man, Jesus, with the angels of God ascending and descending on him. Interesting, isn't it? He takes that story and applies it to himself. And says that he, he, Jesus, he's the ladder to God. Jesus is the ladder to God. He's the one that makes the connection between earth and heaven. And I want to look at that truth that shows up in this text, that Jesus is the ladder of God. I want us to think about three things, three responses to this truth from us. They're simple. They're kind of boilerplate Christian responses, but they're important to remember. Because Jesus is the ladder of God, we need to submit to Jesus. Because Jesus is the ladder of God, we need to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the ladder of God, we need to be with Jesus. Jesus is the ladder of God that makes him the contact point between heaven and earth. He's the way to get to God. When we get to God, we go through Jesus. So if we want him to be our ladder, we have to submit to him. We have to follow him. We have to be with him. Now, in your handout, you'll notice, um, it's just a second, the print on my Bible is very small, and I'm getting older now. In verses 48 and 49, this little interchange goes on. Nathaniel says to Jesus, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi or teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So Nathanael, in that moment, recognized Jesus. He saw him for who he is, the son of man, which is another way of saying son of God, and king, king of Israel, king of kings. And in that declaration, he declared that he was going to submit to the kingship of Jesus. It's a simple truth. We tend to think of it as a beginning truth, but it's really an eternal truth. It's not just what starts our Christian life. It's the truth that is over all of it. That Jesus calls us to submit to him as Lord. This is about allegiance. And the question this raises is, where is your central allegiance? Jesus would say, I am king no one before me. I'm your leader. No one before me. I'm your master. No one before me. I'm the boss. No one before me. If I'm going to meet God and meet Jesus as the ladder to God, I have to submit to Jesus and he needs to be king. In other words, if it's a question between Jesus and something else, Jesus wins in my life. And if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I have settled that in my life. I've settled that in my life. I remember when I first, um, as a grown-up, committed my life to Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. I was baptized as a nine-month-old baby. I read the Bible when I was a kid. But I had a kid's faith, so everything's very concrete. I remember one time hearing someone say, you have to ask Jesus in your heart. So I did. 
And I thought, well, now Jesus is living in my heart. and I'm good. And I think Jesus loved that and honored that. But there comes a point in every kid who grows up in the church where they've got to make a decision whether they're going to be in charge or Jesus is going to be in charge. It happens. Sometimes it's in a momentous experience like it was for me. Others, it's a growing awareness. But a grown-up faith involves this settled commitment. And I, you know, I've told the story before. I basically was at a, at a preaching meeting, and that night I gave my life to Jesus. And everything changed. But what was really the telling point early on was just three days later. So I did this three days before I turned 18. And all my high school buddies, and let me just be discreet, we, we just simply weren't interested in Jesus. You can fill in all the blanks that high school boys would be involved with who aren't interested in Jesus. That would describe me. And so they had plans for me for my 18th birthday. Think about it. And in those days, the aged, ages to participate in things were a lot younger. So they had plans for me to go do some activities that Jesus, I knew, would not have liked. But we've been talking about this for months. And I remember the night before, or the morning of that night we were going to go out, I had to call him. And I had to say, I love you guys, you're my friends, I can't do this. And they're like, what's going on, man? You're turning 18, come on, dude. And I said, I just told him, I said, on Monday, Jesus became the Lord of my life. I can't do this anymore. Of course, they thought it was crazy and weird, but I knew I had to follow through. I'd settled the essential question. I submitted to Jesus, and it issued out in how I lived. That's the first truth. If Jesus is the ladder to God, if he's the contact point between heaven and earth, then I have to go to Jesus to get to God, and that means I have to submit to Jesus. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.15. Paul writes, And Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Or as it said in today's 1 Corinthians reading, you are not your own. You belong to Jesus. Have you settled that? I hope so. On Saturday, just a week ago Saturday, um, I was up in the morning. I, I, I tend to get pretty early. As, as you get older, it's pretty normal. And I was doing my morning routine, some praying and Bible reading. And I was having a good time with the Lord. It's really, it's quiet. It's in my chair. Had my coffee. Was, sometimes in life, your cup of coffee is the best part of the day, you know? It's the best thing that happens all day. And I'm just, I'm just grooving with the Lord. And then my phone rang. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to pray here. My phone rang. And I saw it was my oldest brother. He's going to be 79 in just a few weeks, so he's quite a bit older than me. He's basically elderly now. And he called me and he had an emergency. He'd fallen and thought he'd broken his ankle. Turned out I didn't, but it was almost, almost that. Couldn't walk. Need me to take him to the doctor. And I remember in that moment as he's calling, I had this sort of feeling of like, I kind of don't want to answer. If he's listening, I'm sorry, Nick. But then I realized, no, he's my brother, and he's calling for a reason, and I belong to Jesus. I need to answer the phone. And I just did the simple, obvious thing. And I'm not bragging about it, but I did the Jesus thing. 
Well, in my mind, that's a picture of the, the second action, the second response to the truth that Jesus is the ladder to God. And that's what we have to follow Jesus. So you may have this posture of allegiance and submission to Jesus' kingship. He's the boss. But we also have to be people who day by day, moment by moment, follow the way of Jesus. Follow the way of Jesus. And what that looks like is different in each one of our lives. And 99% of that stuff is not explicitly religious stuff. It's simply doing life while listening to Jesus. One of my favorite definitions of a disciple is someone who listens to Jesus and does what he says. And by listening to Jesus, I don't mean something really mystical. I really don't. I just mean sort of having attentive eyes. And you see a need, so you serve. Jesus put that in front of you. He's God. He's sovereign. Just trust him. Respond. Do the Jesus thing. That's all I mean by that. Just as you're walking through your day, what would Jesus do? What would he do if he's me? How would he live? How would I follow his way? And that's exactly what Jesus says in this passage. It says early on in the text that he's found Philip and he said, follow me. It's always Jesus' call every day, every moment. Follow me. Because he's the ladder to God and we want to get to God. So if I'm going to get to God, I have to go up the ladder who is Jesus. And I do that by submitting to him. I do it by following him. The daily practice of following the way of Jesus. And the last action, the last invitation from God is this, that we would learn to be with Jesus. Now this passage we read from John is part of a larger story. And it's the story of a number of different people that choose to become disciples. And in each instance... Jesus basically says, hey, why don't you come and see, or I'm going to walk to Galilee, why don't you walk with me? And it's this invitation from Jesus to these people to actually come and be with him. And just by being with him, they draw life from him, they learn how to live, and they learn how to, they learn how to follow Jesus. They learn how to submit to Jesus. It all flowed out of being with Jesus. It's at the heart of everything that it means to be a disciple. And there are a lot of different things we do to be with Jesus. Of course, right now we're here to be with Jesus, to bring him our worship and let him minister to us. We, we try to walk with him every day, but, but a practice that's so essential that I mention all the time because I think it's so essential is the ancient practice that goes back all the way to Jesus of sometime every day set aside to read God's word and to pray. And it can look as simple as taking five minutes, reading a chapter, praying the Lord's Prayer. In fact, if that's a practice you've kind of let go by, you need to get back on track, I'd encourage you just to do that. Just pick one of the Gospels, start reading a chapter a day, pray the Lord's Prayer. It'd be better to do that for like 90 days and get the habit reestablished than it would be to beat yourself up because you're not doing it for three hours, which I don't know anyone who does it for that long. But back to my point. So, because Jesus is the ladder to God, he takes us to God, we need to learn to be with Jesus. And there's a central practice. And in the ancient church, it looked like people showing up at church to hear the word read every morning and praying because people were illiterate. And books were like a year-long salary. People couldn't own books. But we've evolved a different time. We all have our own Bibles. 
Or like, you know, I have like a thousand Bible translations right in here, right? So we all have Bibles and we do it that ourselves. But Jesus invites us to the simple, ancient practice of being with him through word, the word and prayer. Now, I was pondering this. And I thought, what? When I get out of practice with that, what is it that is the roadblock? For me, and I thought, I bet this is a common roadblock. And I think the roadblock is this it just gets old. I know. Sorry, people online, I'm a pastor, I'm not supposed to say that about the Bible and praying, but you know what? You do something, the same thing for a long time, it gets to become old hat. It's just something you do. And you can either learn how to adapt to that or beat yourself up over it because it's true. Or do the wrong thing and let it keep you from the Lord. Or you can learn how to just press on. I heard a great illustration that helps get at this. I was reading a book by a, by a, a pastor and spiritual director. and He said, you know, one of the things that trips us up in our spiritual life, especially our life of, of daily prayer, is, is when we first really get excited about the Lord or first are converted, you know, everything is brand new. And we love it. And then it kind of fades, right? And he says, it's kind of like getting a car. You say, say, imagine your favorite car. Maybe it's a 57 Bel Air Chevy. Maybe it's a Maserati. I don't know. Whatever your most favorite amazing car is, you can imagine. You just bought it, and it's brand new. Man, you know what you're going to do to that thing? You're going to go out every day and go, is, there, is that a Nick in my new car? You're going to go polish it off. And you're going to take it to the car wash at least every week, maybe three times a week. And you're going to overspend on, on the best car washes. You're going to make that sure things, things wax. You're, you're so excited. It's so new. You so enjoy it that you're just doing all that stuff all the time because you really want to. But what always happens with a possession, I mean always, the novelty always wears off. I don't care what it is. It always wears off. But if you're a good steward of that possession, what will you keep doing? You'll keep taking it to get clean. You'll keep polishing it, waxing it. You'll keep caring for it. And what this, this pastor said is he goes, look, whether you're doing it because it's all novel and new and you're excited, or you're doing it because it's the thing you do and it's your duty, what's the same in both? The car's clean. No matter what's driving it, the car's clean. And he applies that to the work of prayer. And he says, look, as you journey on in your journey with Jesus, as you move on in your journey with Jesus, these practices become what you do. And you can feel bad about it because you can think, oh, I'm going to be with Jesus, the creator of the universe. And that's true. Don't misunderstand me. And there are moments when that should amaze you. But what we really experience is it becomes the novelty wears off. But the truth is, the benefit comes from the practice, not the novelty of the practice, not the excitement of the practice, not the warm fuzzies of the practice, but from doing the practice. And either way, you pray. Either way, you're with Jesus. You know, Jesus never said, blessed are you if you feel it. Blessed are you if you think it. He said, blessed are you if you do it. That's one of his refrains. It's the same with spiritual practices. Jesus is the ladder to God. 
So if I'm going to get to God through Jesus, I've got to learn to be with Jesus. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's been 38 years since I started to seriously, as as a grown-up, follow Jesus. And like any journey, there have been ups, there have been downs, there have been highs, there have been lows. There have been great victories of obedience. There have been sins to repent of, just like your journey. That's my journey. But one of the things I've learned is that this truth that Jesus is the ladder to God is a truth I've really believed from as long as I can remember because I was told to. But it was always in here. But as I've submitted to Jesus, as I've followed Jesus, as I've chosen to be with Jesus, it's proven to be a reality in my life. Where are you with the ladder of God? Have you ever got on? I, I probably bet all you guys have. Don't worry, I'm not assuming you haven't. But, you know, I can't read your heart. Maybe you've never really got on the ladder and never really submitted to Jesus the first time. You can do that right now. Or maybe you're on the ladder and you kind of got stuck. You just, you, you got tired of following, you got tired of trying to be with Jesus, and you're kind of stuck. You need to, to get rolling again. Well, today you can just start anew. That's the way Jesus works. You can always say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm ready to go again. Or maybe you just need to be encouraged that being faithful to submit to Jesus being faithful to follow Jesus in your everyday life, being faithful to be with Jesus, that really is the pathway to God. That's really how you get on the ladder to God, is you follow Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the ladder to God. Therefore, we need to submit to Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. We need to be with Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.